Um, can I can I ask you a question? Yes, you can ask me a question always, Simon. So I uh, before I asked you how are you, and this is a more serious question, which is how do you respond to the question, who are you? This is a podcast in which two friends talk about the pleasures, absurdities, and imperfections of being human. I'm Simon Ellis. And I'm Lee Miller. Welcome to Midlifing. We've talked about a lot about, you know, not a lot, but we've been talk, you know, talked about your job and it's been an ongoing kind of joke between us as well. You, you're changing jobs and different, you know, for sure. Yeah. And, and, and our jobs of why we uh, know each other and uh, they're a yeah. big part of our lives. But who are you? Mm. I haven't thought about this question for myself either, by the way. Gosh, I mean, I take a great deal of pleasure from being able to do the work that I do because I do something which I enjoy and I find challenging and I am able to see results. So it's, that's, that's lovely. Um, but unlike, I think quite a lot of my peers who work in the same field, I don't think I think of myself as an academic. If I was to define myself, if I think about, if I think about who I am, I tend to think of myself in relation to the people that I am with. So I think of myself as Bob's partner, mm. Jeff's walker. Um, those are the things that I think define me more uh, to myself, although I know I am absolutely deeply informed by the fact that I know stuff. Mm. As a result of my my job, my job is to know things. Mm. You're a knowledge worker. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think that's how I would I I would think about who I am. Who I am is I'm I'm Bob's husband. I'm <laughs> Jeff's best friend. So, like you're sort of orbiting around other people, or that you're in the sense of you're you you said you said it as if you're saying that you're defining yourself in relation to others. Yeah, I think that's less about. I am. I, I, it's it's not about orbiting because that suggests that they are the planet and I am the satellite and therefore subservient in some way. Mm-hmm. I think it's just in terms of me understanding who I am. I am in relationship to other people. So I suppose another way of saying this is I am not a fixed and determined entity. I am constantly in change. Mm. which I suppose at its worst means that I'm inconsistent. (laughs) Unpredictable. Unpredictable, (laughs) unreliable. (laughs) But at its best, I think it means that I'm open and Mm. curious Mm. and dialogic. I think that's, I really I think, like. I really like that. I really like it as a response to to who are you. It it opens out the singularity of the who of the you, doesn't it? I, yeah, I just um, I don't, I don't think it's funny. As an only child, I am not massively solipsistic. 
the world doesn't just come into being <laughs> for me. And in fact, I think sometimes... Looking for feedback here of... from listeners, info at midlifing.net. Is Lee solipsistic? <laughs> I think one of the things that... Um, the other only children that I know, we all seem to, to share... Mm, that's not true. The ones that aren't massive fucking idiots... There are some of them out there as well. But I don't know if that's necessarily because they're only children or just because they're idiots. Um, there is often a sense of responsibility because you have, you know, you're one of what, four? Yeah, I'm the last of four. Yeah, so the, you're the last of four, which means that you're, by the time you came along, your parents Pretty chilled. had chilled right. I never had to go to bed out. at a particular time. Yeah, yeah. If you think about being an only child, you are their favourite child, you are their least favourite child, you are the... First and uh, last, reason. middle. Yeah, you're the reason for them to get out of bed, but you're the thing that stopped them doing everything. Um, and you're in dialogue with these people with no, with no filter of another, another human being. Um, to to kind of to to mitigate against any of the engagements. So when you're in trouble, you're in trouble. Mm. Um, and it also so it's left me with a sense that in interpersonal conversations, I often feel um, I often feel like I am responsible for things that mm. are not I know are not my not my doing. So Bob. If Bob is having a bad day, I might be. I might apologise and try and fix it. And it's taken me a very long time, and it's probably taken Bob longer, to to teach me to understand that it's not my fault. It's mm. not my responsibility. I don't have to fix it. Sometimes I just have to listen. And these are things that um, you know that might be peculiar to me, but it's it's something that other only children that I know have have reflected upon as well when we talked about the experience of being adult only children. So, um, and also knowing that we're going to be the people who are entirely responsible for our parents' care. But you also never had the pleasure of throwing a cricket wicket at your next oldest brother, of course, as an only child. No, no. I'm, I'm, there's quite a lot of, not a lot of pleasure about being an only child. Just, but so, but hang on. So then can you just draw the line between that and then this, this, the not so solipsistic means... and the sense of, of sense of being in relation to others. Yeah, there's a sort of a line there which I don't quite... Oh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, the, uh, yeah, there's yeah. a weird... Yeah, 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 I know, I, I see what you mean. There's a, there's a weird sense that even though everything is... A, it, it sounds selfish, everything is about me. Yeah, it sounds deeply self-interested and that sort of sounds solipsistic, like, oh, it's all about me. There is also the sense that everything is informed by the fact that I am responsible to somebody else. So that's what I mean about always being in dialogue with somebody else. I don't just live in a separate bubble. Mm. Yeah. I'm not sure if that makes sense. It might it might sound contradictory and, and I'm not sure I can square that circle. I think it, I mean, it does but... sound a little contradictory to me. I don't, I'm not worried about that. I'm not sure that it should have to make so much sense, but I, I, I certainly mm. am curious about the paradox or the, um, or the contradiction that, the sense of being, um, as you say, of uh, being the um, the be all end all, you might say, uh, as a mm. as an only child, uh, from the perspective of your parents, um, and then to to respond to the question, who are you, with um, of being in relation to others, or how others, how you are, yeah, how you are in relation to others is, um, yeah, I need to think about it more, but it does seem like it's, I, 
I guess it's because I never, I've never really gone unobserved in the way that maybe the fourth of four can go unobserved. Yes. You're constantly in focus. Yes, to sneak under the radar. Yeah, you don't sneak under the radar. There's no, you know, none of those, none of those rites of passages ever really get missed. So everything gets, um, is made more visible and more significant. Um, and so you, you're, you're just, you're just a little bit more witnessed. And I think when you're witnessed, that's sort of perhaps why I feel that I am. Um, I, I understand myself in dialogue with other people, mm. which actually maybe is solipsistic. Maybe I do think I'm constantly performing to an audience and these people only arrive yeah, 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 to yeah, watch yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, but I, yeah, yeah. I, I, it doesn't feel that way. I, um, my mother used to um, leave the four of us in the back of the car quite a lot if she had to dash in and do something. I have quite you know quite strong memories of being in the back seat of the car while mum parked and um, and the four of us just giving each other hell. Um, and, you know, being on the receiving end of that is the smallest. But also have quite a strong memory. I think in Wellington it was a hot day and mum just left me in the back of the car. And um, so talk about another time, like just me with the window down and coming back to the car and I'd fallen asleep with my head lolling out of the car. Like, you know, just every, basically sort of my body hanging out of the car. As a, I mean, I must have been very young, but geez, talk about different days, eh? different times. Can you imagine? Yeah, it's. I find it sad because, you know, kids are no more likely to be stolen out of cars now than they were then. Yeah. Statistic, statistically, you're not more likely to be stolen from a car. Just you're more likely to have somebody stand outside your car and scream it with you when you come back yeah just that uh, yeah yeah for sure that but all that kind of that that we entered that world of stranger danger you know that, i remember that quite strongly did you did that ha did that happen to you yeah it was a pretty i i mean i was I, I, it was after i'd grown a little bit but you know that kind of the rhetoric of stranger danger the sort of the ignoring of all of the information about um domestic violence and you're far more likely to be on the receiving end of violence by people you know than people you don't know and that message still seems to be um uh, ignored i remember being told not to get into cars with strangers yes definitely well, that... i mean i remember that kind of i remember that kind of schooling but also i i was i having just said that i was constantly observed I was also a child in the 1970s and the 1980s. It's an entirely was, different kind of lack of observation, isn't it? Exactly. I was kind of pretty freedom. much left for hours and hours and hours by myself to just do stuff. It's funny. I did. Uh, I just. I was actually thought about hitchhiking just the other day. Uh, I know that's not quite the same when you're an adult, but uh, I um because I was sort of stuck trying to get here, and I thought, you know what? I'm sure I could just stick my thumb out, and someone would pick me up. This is a small enough part of um, hypothetical Italy to. Uh, for someone to go, yeah, I'll pick that fellow up. But I didn't. And I think I was reminded because I'd just stumbled across a photo of me hitchhiking in Italy in 1991 with a picture of me in a backpack with a sign that says Roma. <laughs> wow, so you, your relationship to Italy is, is really uh, it's really long. Well, yeah, except 1991, I, I didn't speak a word. I, I learned... Yeah, pro- but you still... Were, you still- gone there and you were yeah I was doing, but that was all over europe yeah yeah I, i'd spent some but yeah yeah so i did but italy was the only place i hitchhiked and oh and i hitchhiked in the uk as well who are you so i i, 
I, I'm tempted to steal your answer, but in like a uh, like one of those circles you go around at the beginning of the morning, you you can't repeat anything anyone said. Um, because I really liked what you said. Um, I think I've been thinking a lot about this week. I've been thinking a lot about generosity, and I don't. And what I liked about your response was that you didn't you didn't fall into adjectives, which is what I'm going to do. Um, okay. And I so I like to imagine myself as a generous person. I'm not saying that I'm that all the time. Not for sure, because uh, people who know me pretty well know me to be pretty driven. And there's something about being driven which I think demands a certain uh, kind of focus on the self. Um, but yeah, I think there's uh, something for me which is about how it is that I might, huh, maybe it is similar, how it is that I might be for others or to be of service or to be helpful to others and generous with my time and thoughts and energy, which I, uh, maybe I'm talking about something I aspire to. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, that's, that's how, that's what comes to mind. Uh, um, but it's certainly not my work. It's certainly not, um, I don't think of it. I don't think of it in terms of my relationships or in the same way. Um, but it's I, I, maybe if I were to try and to think of, I'd like to think of myself as outward seeking. It's interesting that you use the word driven. That you said that people would think of you as driven. Yes, or I don't. I don't know if that's. Oh, hi, Jeff. Um, <sighs> I don't know if that's true. Maybe I'm just imagining. Yeah, no, it certainly. If if I had to, if I had to come up with a word, I probably would have. I would have plumped for. Um, I probably would have plumped for ambitious. Um, and then I would have spent a long time um, back backpedaling from that, so it didn't sound quite so. Uh, <laughs> but it's not quite that, so charged. It's not so different. It's not so different from driven. No, exactly. Yeah, which is I think why I was I really I really resonate with the word you that you think other people would give to you because actually I realise that I do mean driven. Um, if if I was to try and find a word, because yeah, I I would have gone with oh Simon's really ambitious in a way that I'm just definitely not. And then I thought. I actually just need to now ask Simon because Simon's projected what you what he thinks. I don't know why I'm talking about you in the third person now. <laughs> still you here, still what, here. Yeah. <laughs> um, you just said what you thought other people would, you know, people who know you would think of you as driven. I've also been told no. that as well. It's not that it's, right. it's not like I'm imagining. I mean, I'm not sure everyone would think gotcha. that, but I've certainly been told yeah. that by other people over over a long period of time. Yeah. And you know, perhaps the most the most uh, pressing instant is. Um, Maybe I've told you this before. Was uh, when not long before my father died, he um, he and my girlfriend at the time was visiting, and he arranged. I think I don't know how he did it, but it ended up a situation where he was just with her, and um, he basically warned her off me, and uh, he he said he described me as driven and basically someone who was so focused on uh, these things, which were mostly professional things at the time that, uh, that she would be effectively ignored. Those are my words. I don't think those are the words. I mean, I wasn't there. So, but I learned of that from her. So, yeah, so that, that was my father um, trying to uh, <laughs> drive a wedge. He, I got a different version um, uh, 
clearly that relationship didn't survive. <laughs> wow. Big move, eh, from a dad. Yeah, I yeah, I might need to circle back to that in an, on another day. Yeah, it's a really it's a very, it's a fascinating because um, I had a different. Yeah, I think I I think I would like to put a big pin in that. Oh, yeah, we can we can come back to it another time. But yeah, I'd, uh, he he also he also then had a conversation with me about her. He uh-huh. was he was really, yeah yeah he was really saying this relationship is not a good relationship. I'm going to find a way to um, do my best to stop it. Wow, I've never really understood any parent doing that. No, and he was, uh, he, he was, it was amazing how he did that. And I, it wasn't, he wasn't responsible for it ending, no, not by any stretch of the no. imagination. These were not things that either of us didn't already know about each other. Um, yeah. But that he made that effort. And of course, this is, you know, he was probably three months from dying, two months from, no, oh, not even. Yeah, six weeks from death. So it was really like, Hang on, I got to sort this out before I go. <laughs> Maybe I'm picking that up a little bit, but yeah. Okay, right. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm just. Gonna, I'm gonna put a pin in that and come back to it for sure because I need to. I need to think about that. Um, because maybe, <laughs> maybe. You've been much more witness than I have. <laughs> Maybe you've been held in a parental gaze much more than me. Yeah, I've never had a parent venture what i am to me or to anyone mm. no i i um i have an enormous amount of evidence which i actually find it striking and very moving um when i was going through and pretty much throwing out everything um my my mother one thing that she'd done is given me these two massive folders of materials from my childhood um just stuff cards and letters and and i pretty much threw all, all of it out but there are some a few letters very few letters from her curiously uh i whether she wrote letters but didn't include them or and then also letters to and from girlfriends which how did i say this how did she get those letters like it, it freaks me out anyway and um and then some letters from my father which uh so i was 12 13 15 and a very clear insight into the kind of person I was at the time. Very clear, like radically clear. I, I, it's astounding, actually. And also this frightening thing was just how little I've changed. <laughs> anyway, we went right off track there. But No, it's a really interesting, it's a really interesting track. We are still talking about who you are. It's just that you, you've brought in the prism of other people's perspectives and... Um... Yeah, I don't think I've ever. Who, who am who am I to you, Simon? I don't mean in in relationship <laughs> to you, but am I? What what are the adjectives? This could be our last part, our last episode. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm the first word I'm going to use, which is not a very. It's a weird word to use, and it's the one that comes to mm. mind is big. And I know we touched on this last week, you know, because in terms of I don't I, I don't mean I, yeah. I don't mean and it is about how much how the kind of space you use. And I there's something about your personality and energy in most circumstances that where I've encountered it, right? And of course I know you're not you're not I know you to not be this all the time, but that there's a kind of you have a 
a very clear and let's say big kind of energetic presence and um which i find very attractive like i'm really drawn to that there's something about the kind of um someone who can um hold a room and be quite seem to be quite comfortable holding a room which i um which i'm very drawn to and then i think the other thing that comes to mind as i'm thinking about that is that you're quick you're you're highly self uh reflexive in the sense that you're you're quick to own and express um self-consciousness and so I've seen that in lots of different circumstances where, you know, you'll be talking about one thing and then something will happen where you'll, 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 you'll insert that kind of a degree of self-consciousness and self-awareness. So I'm, I think of those things as quite distinct things. Um, um, and then I guess the other thing I would just say that I think the, th the thing I have most difficulty with is um, the thing we've talked about a lot in this podcast, which is your kind of that sort of zero tolerance relationship to friendship. Mm -hmm. um, I think I, I find that uh, – what is it that I find it I, – I, yeah, I guess I'll just say uncomfortable. Mm. Um, and again, I don't mean that as a criticism either. I just mean mm -hmm. that as a – you know. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not. I, I, I'm not hearing that as a criticism because your discomfort is not something I have to take ownership of. Because that thing I said before about yeah, I'm absolutely inconsistent and uh, all those things that you know that that come from come from not being a singular, not being a singular person or a singular. You know, no, being you're, you're being in, multitudes, in change. containing multitudes. Yeah. Let's go back to yeah. Uncle Walt. Let's not look at his bedside table. I um, <laughs> I know. To go, to go back to to my my workplace, in re, in relationship to who I am. <laughs> so we work in um we work in a very open plan building, which is acoustically very very leaky. Oh dear. Yeah, it's it's it, it's one of those things that's been designed to be seen in and nobody then thought about how you would be heard, heard in. So oh it's, my yeah goodness. it's yeah and since the moment i mean <laughs> this is a building i was aware of well in advance of of yeah, working at the institution because yeah. I'd, I'd been there and i'd done i'd done things in that building and i was i always thought god this is a weird space working in it is even weirder and i have to modify my behavior significantly I am much more inside voice. Mm. And I, I actively work on being really quiet and taking up less space. I wonder what that'll so, be like in, you know, six months or a year's time when you've really <laughs> settled with you. You'll just be able to open up, turn up the volume just a little bit. Well, it turns <laughs> out that uh, maybe what I think I'm doing is not how I'm being read. Because... Oh. <laughs> so you mean you've turned the volume my down colleague, and people are still saying you're quite loud? <laughs> my colleague said, "Oh, you know, uh, you know, Lee, the new head of PGR, and to somebody who worked in the building, and they went, um, which which one is he?" And then Katie said, "You know, the loud one who sings when he's in the toilet." <laughs> and she said, "Oh yeah, I know who you mean." 
So that is how I am known. I am known as the loud one who sings while he's in the toilet. <laughs> okay, so you, you didn't turn the volume down far enough. I mean... Also, what were you singing? I, were, you singing were you singing ACDC in the... No, I was I was I was probably singing some some shit show tune, but when I go into the loo, I have a wee and I stand down and I will and I I've clocked myself doing it, I'll just start to sing. And then some days <laughs> I'll sing. You bring your portable B day into the into the workplace. <laughs> no, this is just weeing. No, I don't know, because I I don't I don't often <laughs> on the I side often, of your disc and <laughs> I don't often poop at work. So oh, I don't it's course. not like yeah, a, of course, yeah. Yeah, I'm very regular. I'm 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 done before I leave the house. Um, just in case anybody's curious about my toileting habits, um, yeah. So I sing while I'm weeing. I'm sure they're um, not. And washing my hands, and then no, I'm sure they're not. And then I stop as I open up the door, and then the, you know how toilets are. There's a door, and then another door. So I stop and I open the door and I open the door, and then I assume that that's been acoustically <laughs> sealed. But one day. One day, in my second week, I hadn't switched the singing off quite quick enough. So I was singing. <laughs> I was singing full throatedly while I weed. I was singing while I washed my hands. But really, would, it, would it be a crap still, show tune, or would it be? Uh, would I was it be still. Elbow? I, I can't even remember what I was singing, but I was still singing loudly as I opened the first door. Yep. And I was still singing as I put my hand on the second door and then just went, oh, stop singing, otherwise they'll hear you. And so I stopped singing and then opened the door. And there was just a, a sea of faces staring <laughs> at me. I am not joking, Simon. It was like there a was movie about scene. Twelve, yes. It was like there basically like a people. naked gun, two and a half. It was as I stepped out of the toilet, they applauded. <laughs> So at least, at least they didn't think the singing was bad. I wonder how many new colleagues at work have been applauded as they've stepped out of the toilet. I know. I know. It was a moment of going, oh, crap. It turns out I'm still quite like I always have been, even when I'm trying not to be. 